0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Philadelphia Eagles do not look like the Philadelphia Eagles. It is Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80 on your smart speaker. And of course, you can watch us on the ESPN app. Chris Carlin, Joseph Harrison Fortenbaugh, the fourth. Welcome to Monday, compadre. How are you? Excited. Very
1: excited. Big week ahead. Lots of energy coming into this show. I got to tell you, you're responsible for that. Not because of anything you did today, but watching your boys from Rutgers come all the way back to beat Michigan State, seeing the call you made, seeing because you record it, you put it up on your social channels, everyone in the booth going wild. That was very enlightening stuff. That was very empowering. I was excited for you guys. I'm still fired up from it.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And as you know, it's always about me and how yeah. I can get as much attention out of everything as possible and whatever I can exploit to get the attention for me. That's my brand, Joe. And that's what we do. That was not
1: Rutgers winning that game. Chris Carlin <laughs> won that game. It
0: was a nice little story for them. But, no, that was that was all about the brilliance of that call, Joe. It's Carlin versus Joe. We are just getting rolling. We want you to be a part of the program on the Carlin versus Joe. Dr. Pepper call in line. 888 espn 888 3776 ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. The Philadelphia Eagles look, how do I put it? Not good. They don't look Mm. sharp. They don't look like they did in 2022. There are differences. And if you can try to figure it out, I think you're trying to singularly. Point out one thing that has been the difference, but I think it's many things, Joe. I think it's a new offensive and defensive coordinator. I think it's not being as sharp at the quarterback position. Sure, a couple of injuries here and there. They don't look as innovative on offense. Joe, for me, this is about the offense just not looking as on point as they did throughout the course of last season, even in some of the games where they didn't play so well. That was a team that you knew was going to figure it out offensively. Yesterday, they looked like a team that couldn't figure it out offensively, especially with the quarterback and three interceptions.
1: So there were a lot of reasons why the Eagles had so much success last year. They're a very good football team. They're a well-coached football team. They play well. They execute their discipline, all that stuff. I want to make sure that's out there first because there are some other factors that contributed to their success last season. Number one, they were one of the healthiest teams in the NFL throughout the course of the year. Mm. In terms of games lost overall, games lost by key players, they were very fortunate throughout the course of the season. Number two. They had one of the absolute easiest schedules in the NFL. Nothing they can do can control that, right? Schedule makers put that out there. You can only play who's put in front of you. And then number three, they're very innovative on offense, right? What we saw two years ago from Philadelphia on offense was not what we saw last season. A.J. Brown was added to the mix. Devontae Smith is in there alongside A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, a plethora of running backs, and Jalen Hurts taking the next step in his maturation. Those were three key factors. Now, fast forward to this season, all right? Number one. They're not nearly as healthy as they were last year. Mm -hmm. They lost Lane Johnson, their offensive tackle, yesterday, and they answered that game without Jalen Carter and Darius Slay. That's going to hurt them on defense. Number two, from a schedule standpoint, the schedule so far this year has been relatively easy, but it's going to pick up. It's going to pick up, and that's going to give them some problems, and that Jet defense was legit yesterday. And number three, from an innovative standpoint – I think with an entire offseason to study what it is the Philadelphia Eagles were doing last year, opposing defenses are going to catch up. They're not just going to lay around and just accept the fact that you're going to beat up on them, and this is something that will eventually happen to Miami. Miami's got the edge on opposing defenses right now. They can't figure them out. They will. Give them time. It's what these guys get paid to do. So yesterday what you saw was a confluence of all those factors coming together, the Eagles making a series of mistakes, and then two key things rising to the top for why they lost that game. Number one, I don't know why Sirianni is throwing the ball on third and nine at the end of the game like that when he should have just run it. The Jets are out of timeouts. See, a lot of times these guys get caught up trying, and and we as people get caught up with this too. We get caught up in the idea of making the best possible decision. What is the absolute best decision I can make? Sirianni's thinking, we're going to go on third and nine. We're one of the best teams in the NFL. We get this first down, the game's over. Okay, but you forgot to account – That you're playing an above-average defense, your quarterback's already got two INTs, and you've been struggling throughout the course of the day. In addition to that, punt it away. Punt it away. Let the clock go under one minute and force Zach Wilson to come down the field to beat you. Zach Wilson and the Jets had scored 12 points to that point. The Eagle defense had been all over him in the second half. I think they sacked him like five times. So kick the ball away. So hubris burned him from a coaching perspective. And then we can talk about Jalen Hurts if you want. He's turning the ball over at an alarming rate this year. Turnovers go hand-in-hand hand with wins and losses. If you look at Jalen Hurts last season, he had a grand total of six interceptions in 15 games. He threw 460 passes.
0: Carlin, he's already got seven interceptions. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff rose up to burn the birds yesterday. Look, he's not playing well. I'm not going to use the word alarming because three interceptions against the Jets – Is just something that can happen. We don't need to – we'll get into the Jets later on, but they have a very good defense. I'm not going to really worry yet about Jalen Hurts because he seems to me to be a guy that is going to figure this out pretty shortly and is going to work exceptionally hard at trying to figure it out. Now, having said that, he did just get paid. So whatever it is that's going on has to get cleaned up very quickly. Number two, Sirianni. First of all, I want to hear his explanation as to why he decided to throw late in that game on that third down you mentioned. Boys, go ahead and play it. It's not working on my end for
2: some we reason. We thought if we got the first down there in that particular case, uh, the game was over. Um, you know, the worst thing that happened, could happen, happened. Um, Sure. Every every time you're gonna you're gonna think about it. I don't I don't think in that particular case we thought running it was the right thing. You know that we had a third down earlier in that drive that we converted on. In similar circumstances, um, we're gonna trust our guys to make plays. I think AJ had a pretty good game, and um, we're gonna trust our guys to make plays in that particular case. And you know looking at it, um, again, we'll have to put them in better spots to succeed, and then the, and then we got to execute.
0: Yeah, we can talk about trusting your guys, and I knew that was the answer we were going to get, Joe, because coaches always turn to that. I always feel like we're going to make the right play when we need to make the right play. That's fine. Believing in your guys is totally fine. But you also have a responsibility to do the right thing in that spot, and the right thing is to run the football and then put yourself in a spot where you're not turning it over. That. That was mind-boggling to me that they would do that in that situation. Um, well, no, I can right. understand it. I can understand it because they have been the team at the
1: forefront of being aggressive and being rewarded for their aggression. I How understand. often are they going on fourth and
0: one? I mean, I, I, I got that. I totally get that. But there are just times where you can't do it. Where you have to do what you're talking about. You have to look at the other side and see what's going on. That to me, not having a feel for the game.
1: Well, that, yeah, that's an example of hubris, right? They have done this so many times on fourth and one. They've done this so many times in crucial situations and they've been successful that Sirianni just assumes that that will continue to happen. I understand the reason for the aggression and I understand trusting your players, but he he didn't properly evaluate all the variables. If this is a game like next week's game against Miami. I completely understand that because if you kick it away to that offense, they might come right down the field and score on you. If you're going against Patrick Mahomes, I get it. You want to be aggressive on offense because you know what they're capable of. That wasn't Patrick Mahomes. It wasn't the Miami Dolphins. It was the New York Jets. They had scored 12 points all game. The quarterback isn't very good. Your defense was eating him alive in the second half. They weren't letting him drive at all. And your offense had been struggling. The offense had given you no reason to believe that they were going to convert that based on what you saw yesterday. They weren't scoring. They went ice cold in the second half. Your quarterback had two interceptions already. He wasn't playing well. You as the head coach have to weigh all these new variables and make the best possible decision. Going for it there was not the best possible decision in terms of throwing that ball. Run it. The Jets were out of timeouts. That was the whole point. They're out of timeouts. You run the ball. By the time you punt it down to the other end of the field, the Jets, maybe they're inside their own 20. There's less than a minute to go. They've got no timeouts. And it's Zach Wilson trying to come down the field against your defense, which has eaten them up all day. That is a much better, much more favorable situation to be in than trying to convert third and nine against a defense that had turned you over three times prior to that and then turned you over again. The problem for Sirianni, he never thought that that could be an interception right there. Mm. He probably thought, mm, if we don't get it, we still punt it away, and then we'll get a stop. Never factored in the worst-case scenario, and that's what ended up dooming him.
0: It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius 6M, Channel 80, 888-SAY-ESPN, eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. We will get an opportunity for you to get in on the program. The lines are open now on the Eagles, and if, in fact, there is something to be genuinely concerned about even though they are five and one they have clearly not played anywhere near their best football carlin versus joe is presented by progressive insurance save when you bundle motorcycle rv and boat insurance visit progressive.com the eagles not the only unbeaten to fall yesterday the 49ers may have lost more than just a game on sunday in cleveland it's next on espn radio and the espn app This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive
3: Fight like crazy on defense, literally just fighting
2: through picks and bunches and those type of things. It's always tough to miss that last kick, but that happens in football. They play better than us today, and you know, that was the last play, but there's a lot more today than just that.
0: I have to tell you, I still expected the 49ers to win the game yesterday in Cleveland. And as I, wa- I probably watched a good 75 to 80% of that game, Joseph. Yeah. And I ha- I. I- As poorly as they played, I mean, think about everything that was going against them. Brock Purdy was made to look like Mr. Irrelevant. Like, he looked like the last pick in the draft yesterday. Really, for the first time in his career, thanks to a fantastic, fantastic Cleveland defense. No Christian McCaffrey for a lot of the game with injury. They lose Debo Samuel uh, in the game. He's done for the day. They are just completely lost at times, offensively. Um, I think Purdy, at one point, had targeted Brandon Ayuk something like eight times and had one reception, and it wasn't because he was dropping balls left and right. So the 49ers had all these things going against them, and still, they lost because they missed a 41-yard field goal. I mean, to me, that speaks to just how good they are and why, ultimately, this is not a game that would strike me at a level of concern for San Francisco.
1: No, I wouldn't think so either. You know, this is a day where I think a lot of people would expect massive overreactions to the Philadelphia loss and the San Francisco loss. There's reasons for both of them. Again, this is pro football. This isn't Alabama losing the College of Charleston in week one, right? I mean, there's, we talk about this when we break down games from a betting perspective, situational handicapping. Look at San Francisco's situation. Sunday night football, massive game, massive get-up spot against the Dallas Cowboys. They go out and hammer them, right? Then here we are, one week later, we got to turn around. we got to fly across the country to Ohio. we got to play the early start time, which is 10 a.m. for your bodies, 1 p.m. local. You're going to lose a couple guys due to injury during that game. You're going against one of the league's elite defenses. You make a few mistakes, it doesn't break your way. Like, these games are going to happen. I wouldn't panic at all if I were a Niner fan. That loss doesn't speak to anything. The concern would be the injuries to McCaffrey and Debo because that's a long-term sort of thing. And, you know, down the line, that could have an effect. But you got Minnesota next week. The schedule is pretty light. So I'm not too concerned if I'm the Niners. I will say right out of the gate, bravo to Jim Schwartz and the Cleveland defense. Yes. Right? So much of the focus here is going to be on the Niners losing. Get this. The Niners rolled up 215 yards of offense yesterday in 104 regular season games under Kyle Shanahan. They have never had that few yards for performance as I stumble all over that sentence. Felt like I could really stick the landing there and then completely fell down and broke my leg.
0: Boy, you really did.
1: I really did. Never have they had a, a regular season game under Shanahan with that little production on offense. So that says something about what Schwartz and that defense were capable of doing. Purdy playing terrible football? You know, no surprise. That was going to happen at some point. I mean, the run he was on, he went from last pick in the draft to MVP front runner. Like, what, were we expecting there wouldn't be one game where it fell apart? And Ayuk yesterday, he was just at the point where he was air airmailing Ayuk. He had happy feet in the pocket. He was clearly rattled. The weather was getting to him. Jim Schwartz was getting to him. And it was just an absolutely terrible football game. You chalk it up, you move on. I don't think there's a whole lot here to panic about from a schematic or execution standpoint on behalf of the 49ers.
0: Look. Let's talk about the injuries, though. Okay, with Samuel out with his shoulder, McCaffrey has got an oblique. We have not gotten any kind of an update on how serious they are at this point. I'm genuinely not that worried. Uh, 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 Unless we're talking about maybe a season thing, and I I know how both are incredible weapons for them offensively, and they certainly make party look a lot better. I mean, that, that... You can be the last pick in the draft for a reason and then play like he is and we at least have to acknowledge the role that other playmakers are making or are are having uh, right there. But the 49ers are good enough to navigate that and I even think for several weeks I'm not remotely concerned about them because defensively they're still as stout as can be. I have no concerns about that. And then offensively that to me was a day where somebody had the right formula to do it to a team. And it's going up against all the things that you just said. I mean, my wife's a huge Niners fan and we're watching the game and she, she says they look like they didn't sleep well. And I get exactly what she's saying. Like they looked out of whack and slow and all the things that the 49ers never look. And and I think sometimes we forget about all of those different things that go into it. So, I'm not even batting an eyelash when I look at the 49ers. Even with those injuries right now, I'm not remotely, remotely concerned about them.
1: One note I'll throw out there, you and I talked about this in the breakdown leading up to the game against the Cowboys last Sunday. We said if Dallas wants to have a shot, they've got to keep their defense rested, which means controlling the ball on offense, control the clock. You don't have to, hold, you don't have to roll up 55 points, but you've got to be able to keep the defense rested on the sideline so that in the fourth quarter they can get after the opposing quarterback so that they can keep up with Kittle and Ayuk and Samuel. Dallas couldn't do that. Dallas got yeah. worked in that game. They barely held the ball. Cleveland held the ball for 33 minutes. Do you know how rare it is for the opposing team to hold the ball longer than the Niners? A lot of people today will tell you time (laughs) of possession doesn't matter. That's because Miami can roll up 500 yards of offense in 22 minutes. Not saying time of possession is a be-all, end-all stat. But when it pertains to teams like the Niners and the Ravens, that is how they handle their business. They impose their will on you. They are physical. They run the football. They force the tempo of the game to the way they want to play, and then you're forced to catch up. And it's very difficult to do that. The Niners were behind the eight ball all day yesterday. The Browns were dictating tempo. And you saw, what's that famous line, it ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun? Yeah,
0: nope, that was the situation yesterday. The Niners were in chase mode and it didn't work out. Yeah, you know, and listen, I don't disagree when it comes to the time of possession thing. But we were talking about this pre-show and I went and looked. It is one of the most bizarre things that I have ever seen stat-wise. You know who leads the league in time of possession? Who's that? The Cleveland Browns. Yep. How is that possible? Run it's the one football. of the worst. It, it, like, three they're not out. a good
1: offensive team right now. No, but that defense will force three and outs. They'll force a lot of three and outs. Yeah. They are not getting the credit they deserve because their offense sucks. Their offense sucks right yeah. now. Even with Watson, they stunk. Yeah, they do. There's no getting around it. I mean, they should be. They should not undefeated. They should be a one loss team. They lose they, the game <laughs> to the
0: Ravens. Fine. They should not have lost to the Steelers. They don't even have Nick Chubb. No. And they lead the league in time of possession.
1: It's, in, it's really impressive what they're doing there. It's just unfortunate that at every turn, the quarterback's now got an injury like he couldn't play to begin with. Now he's got this injury that's going to drag him down. I mean, right there, Stefanski getting Kirk Cousins would be huge for him. Obviously, that's not going to happen. We're not throwing that out there. We're not advocating for it. But if they had a guy like that right now just managing games for them, think about how far they can go. They are extremely dangerous with that defense. They just won't get the credit because, A, they're Cleveland, and, B, the
0: offense can't get out of its own damn way. Let me slide this in, because we've got two teams now in the Eagles and 49ers that are 5-1. and one, But there's a third in the NFC, and it's the Lions. And so the big question that exists there is, are they for real? Let, let's get a call in here on this, and we'll discuss. It's Dave right. up first in Michigan on ESPN Radio. Dave, what's cooking with you, bud? How you feeling about the Lions?
3: Hey, guys, love the show. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I've been a 39-year-old fan. This is the first time I've seen the Lions actually doing something since 92 when I was 8 years old, the last time they won a playoff game. I just want to know if you guys are going to hop on the bandwagon or not. When I look at what the Lions have been doing since last November, Uh, They've won 16 games by scoring over 20 points. There's no other offense like them in the league right now. If you look at points forced right now, they're in fourth place behind Miami with 223, Buffalo 173, and San Fran 184. They've gone into Kansas City. They've gone into Green Bay. They've gone into Tampa Bay. Our fans are taking over those stadiums. The time is now to hop on the bandwagon. (laughs) I'm just curious, how real do you think they are now that Montgomery could be out with a rib injury? Do you think the Lions still have the potential to go deep in the playoffs this year? Just curious what your thoughts are. Thanks. All right. Well,
0: first of all, let's dial it back on the deep in the playoffs yet. Okay. We're, I don't want to quell your enthusiasm, but, you know, settle down. Uh, Joe, I, I would buy on the Lions. They're still not on the level of the other two teams yet, though. Well, that's because, we. I mean, is that a
1: body of work thing? Is that a recency bias thing? No, like that's we a, that's the a better team the, thing. That's a better team. We give the Niners team. and the Eagles a lot of credit for what we saw last season and in previous seasons, and they've shown us a lot this year. But I'll tell you, after that overtime loss to Seattle, Detroit's been kicking everybody's ass. It's four straight double-digit victories. Mm-hmm. Like, they beat Atlanta by double digits, hold them to six points. They beat the Packers by double digits on the road. They smashed the Panthers. They smashed the Buccaneers yesterday. The Buccaneers were off the bye at home. That's supposed to be a favorable spot for you to produce. They scored six points. This Lions team, man, at the very least, they are a lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun to
0: watch. They are a lot of fun to watch. And I will say that for me, the biggest difference for the Lions this year is their defense. There were times last year where that was a hot knife through butter, right? Oh, yeah. The Lions this year are giving up a touchdown less per game so far. That's pretty damn impressive. Like, mm-hmm. that's where I think their biggest growth have, has come. Montgomery's been great, and that rib injury would concern me, but, uh, you know, I want to know when Jameer Gibbs is back, too. But I, I, listen, it's not much not to like. There was never a point in that game where I felt that the Buccaneers were going to come back and really threaten them. Not no. one. No. Not one.
1: The Lions identified their problems in the offseason, and they improved upon them. The defense yep. was a huge concern. It's better now, and as a result, they're
0: getting better results. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, SiriusXM, XM, Channel 80. You know who's not getting good results? Bill Belichick. Holy cow. It's not only maybe his fastball <laughs> that he's lost, but one of his players thinks he might have lost the locker room, too. His ex-players, that is. It's next. Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio, Series 6M, Channel 8. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: Shotgun snap. Garoppolo looking over the middle. Fires to the end zone. And it's caught!
2: Never easy And we knew we'd get Their best fight We know we have a lot To clean up And a lot to do better But proud of our team For continuing to battle And fight And uh, put ourselves You know where we're at now And now it's It's gonna be about You know getting better Moving forward Hey Joe
0: Yeah Patriots Not good They're bad They're bad They're bad Football They're a really Bad football team Joe Oh yeah What led you to that Oh I don't know Maybe the minus 80 point differential, second worst in the league. Maybe the fact that they went into Vegas this weekend to play the the Raiders. And again, never once, even when they actually cut it somewhat close, never once did I think that they remotely had a chance to win the game. They, across the board, are as bad of a team to watch play football as one I've seen in a while, and I don't mean in terms of just making all stupid mistakes because, oh, by the way, they do with all of the penalties. I mean, these, that's not a Belichick team of of old for sure. All of the dumb penalties that they commit. But, Joe, just how boring they are. That game made me yearn for the offseason. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have never yearned for the off-season in my life. Ready for that some late, late June baseball? <laughs> Get me to some Brewers Marlins. Oof. Lock me in on that, because I'd rather watch that, no offense to Milwaukee or Miami, than what I watched yesterday with the Patriots. Oh, dear God. Uh first
1: off, I mean, shout out to the Raiders. That's back-to-back wins. They're now 3-3. and yeah. three. I've given them a lot of criticism on this show. It might not be pretty, but they're 3-3 three and three through 6 right now. So the three Raiders three are 3 at a minus 31. There. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it hasn't looked pretty. Exactly. Obviously, no one's going to pre- predict a Super Bowl for them right now, but it could be worse. They're 3-3. Three and three. They're finding a way to get things done. Also, credit to the Raiders for the first time all season, scoring more than 18 points in a game. Probably more indicative of the Patriot defense than it is the Raider offense. But whatever, uh, mm-hmm. Garoppolo gets hurt again. It's like the same old story with that Jeez. guy. He can't make it through a game. So let's break down the Patriots. Mac Jones. It, that that's it. I mean, that's. I don't think we need any anything else to do there. It's it's not just the not playing well. It, it's the. He's making mistakes that are so bad right now. There was that interception in the first half, which is completely inexcusable. There's taking the safety at the end of the game, oh which is God. just pathetic. And that actually, the point spread was three, and the Raiders were winning by two, and then that gave him a four-point lead and covered the number. I'm not bitter at all about that. <laughs> I get what, you get what you deserve when you bet on the Patriots. But ultimately, it comes down to this. One of the the unsung positive attributes of the Bill Belichick teams of the last two decades is that they were a relatively clean football team in that they were able to allow you to make more mistakes than them And more often than not, they would let you lose the game rather than they would need to go win it. Like, you would just see them in situations where they knew how to manage the clock. They knew how to manage their timeouts. They knew when the punt. They just knew how to put themselves in good situations. It's kind of the difference between professional tennis and amateur tennis, right? Professional tennis, it's about winners. You need to win the point. In amateur tennis, if you and I go out and knock it around, it's really about who's going to lose the point. Who's going to hit long? Who's going to hit wide? Who's going to hit it into the net? Pros win at tennis. Amateurs avoid losing at tennis. That's how the points are are, are divvied up. In this situation with the Patriots, they used to be able to watch other teams make more mistakes. Yeah. They're now that team. I mean, you look at them this year, six and a half penalties per game. That ranks in the bottom half of the NFL. They have a minus eight turnover differential, Carlin. That's wow. worst in the NFL. That was never Holy a Patriot thing. Cow. They protected the football. They didn't They didn't commit too many penalties because it was about – those are the discipline stats.
0: The discipline stats are penalties and turnovers. They have no discipline now. Joseph, I want to hear from Teddy Bruschi, who was on Get Up this morning, on what the Patriots' biggest issues are right now. To start the game with two penalties, all right, to finish the game with three penalties like that, that is a sign – and Bill isn't reaching these guys, okay? There was, a, there was a, a clip of the audio a few years ago where Bill says, I just can't get these guys to, to play the way I want to play. I think it was some doc or something early on, and that's when Brady was still there. I feel that same way with this team. Mm. Now, it's, it's just a different team now. I mean, but, but still, Belichick has to get to these guys. So think about this for a second. Any way you want to try to slice it, it all comes back to Bill. If you want to slice it with, well, it has to do with the players that they have. Who picked him? Bill. Uh, it has to do with the fact that he's, you know, the message is just not getting through. Who's that on? It's on the head coach. has to do with the fact that maybe he's lost some of his fastball in that regard. That's on him. All of it comes back to Bill because he's been the one that has put everything in place and, frankly, he is getting out coached. In these games, he he got out coached a little bit yesterday by Josh McDaniels. And just in the fact, you mentioned the safety. How does Mac Jones not know that? Like, how does that not sink in? Yeah, part of it's on Mac Jones. Part of it's on Bill. Part of it's on the staff. It's not getting through right now. Whatever it is, it's just run its course. And it's going to play out that way the rest of the year. It's going to... This is not going to end pretty. This is going to be bad, and it's surprising me that people are just realizing that this is going to be bad right now.
1: They've been outscored 93-20 to 20 over the last three weeks. Dear God. And the offenses that have done that to them are the Cowboys, who aren't nearly as good offensively this year as they were last year. The Saints, who if anyone saw the Saints yesterday, they oh. lost at Houston. That Saints team is terrible. Absolutely. I, can't, I cannot believe Dennis Allen, if he's not the first one out, I don't know what the hell's going on down there. You're going to take a team. This is just a quick side rant. The easiest schedule in the NFL this year belongs to the Saints. They are not going to make the playoffs with the easiest schedule in the NFL. Like Here that calls for okay. some wholesale changes. And then the Raiders, who hadn't scored more than 18 points in a game. So you've been outscored 93 to 20 by the Cowboys, Saints, and Raiders over the last three weeks. Let me ask you this. Let's turn it around. Name one thing. New England does well. What's one thing that they do well?
0: Dead air. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. They don't do anything well.
1: Joe, I like. <sighs> like the, the Browns are struggling on offense because of the quarterback play. But they yeah. have an elite defense, right? You can go around the NFL. There are only a few teams in the NFL that do nothing well. Like, literally nothing. The it, it Patriots a, are in that category with the Panthers, with the Broncos, with the
0: Bears. That's not where you want to be. You know what it also feels like? I told you the, the Saban story about how Belichick views how they got Brady. It wasn't about getting Brady in the sixth round right. and how fortunate they were. It's how did we screw it up in the first five rounds? If you're going to go that way, and that's going to be your approach on everything. He loves the process, right? How can you look at the last five years and say that he has properly evaluated what the process is and look to improve it? Because it looks very much the same as it always was. But you had the mitigating factor of Brady. Brady. You look at the fact that they don't have playmakers on this team, that they don't have a great offensive line, that they took somebody in the first round that wasn't even on the board for some teams in Cole Strange for that offensive line. How have you not looked at how poorly you have procured players and then decided we got to do something to fix it along the way? I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, Bill being fascinated by the process, the process has gotten away from him.
1: The model is broken. They had a way, the way they would scout, from what I understand, is that for a position, for example, let's say defensive end, they would have a height, a weight, a speed. They'd have all these characteristics, and then you could tell the scouts, we need a defensive end this year, go out, here's the the rundown. They need need to check these boxes. And that's kind of a way of building a team the way you want to build a team. Like, we want to be fast on the edge, or we want to be stout in the middle, right? You're not just playing what's called battleship football. Oh, B2, we'll try that approach. Oh, it doesn't work, miss? All right, let's try G1. Oh, that's a hit? All right, let's do that again, right? Like, they had a very refined process for how they evaluated, and then they brought in players. That system is clearly broken. It's clearly broken.
0: Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Last week was a measuring stick game for the Cowboys, and they came up very, very short. This week, where are these offenses at, considering you have the former play caller and the current play caller going up against each other tonight? This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: deserving of him being
1: at least top ten. We all believe in Dak Prescott.
0: Prescott! Dak Prescott! The thing that impressed me most about Prescott was his leadership. I just want to be great. That's what I do each and every day is take another step to being that. Cowboys Chargers tonight. We're going to get into plenty of the wagering angles later on the Monday Night uh, Moneymaker as we do on Carlin versus Joe each and every week. I got one thing that is sticking in my head about it that I'll pop in at the end of this segment for you all right. on that front. Uh, based on a stat that you gave us last week that was a very, very intriguing stat, but I want to know if it's going to hold up for a reason. Anyway, that coming in about three minutes. Joseph, (laughs) biggest
1: difference. The the radio tease. It's coming up in three minutes. Hang tight. We got other stuff for you.
0: Right after traffic on the ones. Uh, (laughs) Joe, listen. I, I, I look at the Cowboys this year and Mike McCarthy calling plays, and he was getting his flowers in the first few weeks of the year. Oh, look at how much more efficient their offense looks. They're running the football. They're doing this. They're doing that. And then it didn't look as great right it had a mess in Arizona obviously what happened last week I think probably had a lot more to do with the 49ers than anything else and you've got Kellen Moore last year and the Cowboys had the number one offense in the league last year and they moved on from Kellen Moore what is the biggest difference that you would say exists between the Cowboys offense this year and last year it's exactly that it's Kellen
1: Moore it's exactly that And we're going to have the stats to back it up for you. Dallas has played five games this season. Three of them are against nobody defenses. The Giants, the Patriots, the Cardinals. Nothing there. You should roll up huge numbers against them. Then you played the Niners, one of the best in the business. And then you played the Jets, who are good, who are very good. Top tier somewhere up there but we have seen them struggle at times this year all right i wouldn't put them on the elite level with san francisco and cleveland but they're up there so you've played two good defenses and three lousy ones now i'm going to give you the numbers from last year compared to this year in several key offensive categories let's start with yards per play Mm. how many yards per play are you racking up last year 5.4 this year 4.9 you're down half a yard per play that's significant let's talk about red zone Last year, Dallas converted 71% of their red zone trips into touchdowns, number one in the NFL. This year, 36%. From 71% in the red zone to 36%. Wow. Yards per carry. We were told this would be a team that would be able to run the ball. Last year with Zeke Elliott, a shell of himself, the Cowboys averaged 4.3 yards per carry. This year, 4.0 yards per carry. They're actually worse. And then sacks per game taken by the quarterback – Last year, 1.5. This year, 2.0. They're not better, Carlin. They're worse. And it comp- the issue's compounded when you go right over to the Charger offense and you see that Justin Herbert's numbers this year so far are are big steps above last year, from 68% completions up to 71% completions. Yards per attempt from 6.9, or excuse me, 6.8 up to 7.6. He's throwing it even further down the field. He's thrown one interception so far this year through four games, seven touchdowns. His quarterback rating jumped from 93 to 106. So you take Kellen Moore off of the Dallas offense their numbers take a big hit. You put them on the Charger offense, Herbert's numbers take a big rise. It's not rocket science. And by the way,
0: Herbert's been without Austin Eckler for several games. Yeah. Joe, how about this? You mentioned red zone and you mentioned third down. Or I don't know if you mentioned third down. You mentioned I did not red mention zone. third down. All right, so I'm going to mention third down for a second. Because third down and red zone are the two statistics that offensive coaches – tend to use more than any others when evaluating quarterback. All right. This year on third down, Dak Prescott has dropped back 43 times. He has been sacked four times. He's getting sacked 10% of the time. It's a reasonably high number. It's not ideal. It's not what you want. Then when you look at the red zone numbers this year, Joe, in terms of how he has been efficient – he is completing... For, now, you have an extra defender with the back line, okay? He's only completing 50% of his passes in the red zone. He's got three touchdowns, one interception, but his rating a very pedestrian 74.5. Not good. No. And that to me is I don't want to say an uncomfortability, but it's certainly one that you look at and you say, is he... Is he the same as last year, and what's the biggest difference? Well, there's really only one difference, and that's the guy who's calling the plays. I think tonight you're going to see an awful lot of Kellen Moore showing what he can do with an awfully nice toy to have (laughs) in Justin Herbert. I think this is a night where Kellen Moore is going to want to really stick it to the Cowboys as much as possible. And that's kind of a duh statement, but I can see a, a lot of things that he's going to sh- show tonight that he has not shown before this year. Chargers with two weeks to get ready for this
1: game. Chargers playing at home chargers on a two game winning streak. lot to like here, the knock on the chargers and we'll break this down later when we talk about money makers for Monday night and all the other things we're going to do as we predict this game, But the knock on the Chargers is that defensively, they're one of the worst in the business. They have quietly, throughout the course of the season, gotten a little bit better each week. They had Miami in week one. They looked terrible. But as they've removed themselves from the J.C. Jackson fiasco, you know, they sat him down a couple weeks ago. They made him a healthy scratch, and then they got rid of him. The defense has gotten better. Like, it was an addition by subtraction sort of situation. Get J.C. Jackson out of there. Defense has improved. So Brandon Staley's got two weeks to get ready for this game tonight. I am utterly fascinated by the potential outcomes here because either way, we have what could be an entire three-hour show tomorrow based solely on this game.
0: All right, quickly. You gave a stat last week about teams that um, face the Niners and what they do the next week. They're what, 4-14-1 against spread, something like that? They are 2-18 straight oh. up. 4-14-2
1: against the spread dating back to the start of last season. The week after playing the Niners. How
0: much with the extra day, though, do you think is involved there? I I
1: think you factor that in because the extra day is big, but there is road
0: travel with that. So factor that in as well. Excellent point, too. I think I know where I might be leaning, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Carlin
3: versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.